This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. This is the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about leadership and management with government executives and thought leaders who are truly changing the way government does business. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. What is the mission of the U.S. General Services Administration's Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office? How has the TMF changed the way IT is done in the federal government? And what lessons have been learned over the last five years with the inception of the Technology Modernization Fund? I'll explore these questions and so much more with my very special guest, Raylene Young, Executive Director of the Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office within GSA. Raylene, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So before we delve into specific initiatives which you're leading, I was hoping you could outline for us the history and purpose of the Technology Modernization Fund, TMF. Absolutely. Um, We just celebrated our fifth birthday, actually. Uh, So the TMF is entering its six years of investing in technology modernization projects that have a real impact on the way the federal government provides services to the American people. This is incredibly important for increasing public trust and making it easier for people to get the services they need. The TMF was first authorized by the Modernizing Government Technology Act of 2017 and officially established the TMF board on March 12th, 2018, which we like to think of as our birthday. It was originally set up for federal agencies to access capital to tackle IT modernization projects that are critical to keep up with the fast pace of changing technology and to reliably deliver for the public. In 2021, uh, we had a huge change. We got a billion dollar boost from the American Rescue Plan to respond to urgent needs the COVID pandemic brought into focus, like advancing cybersecurity, improving public facing digital services, investing in cross government collaboration tools and shared services and modernizing high priority systems. I joined the General Services Administration as the executive director of the TMF, just as we were announcing our first tranche of American Rescue Plan investments back in September 2021. The TMF has undergone significant evolution since its inception in 2018. In total, the TMF has received and reviewed more than 220 proposals, totaling over $3.5 billion in funding demand. And since the passage of the ARP and that infusion of funds, we've received more than 160 proposals for projects, totaling over $2.5 billion. Prior to the ARP, the program received only a few dozen proposals in over three years. So this means in the time since I joined, the TMF has increased its annual investment rate by more than tenfold. And today we manage more than $700 million um, in 40 investments across 24 federal agencies. Impressive. You know, so I was wondering if you could help us understand the mission of GSA's Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office. What does it do? How is it organized? And how does it fit, Raylene, within the overall structure of GSA? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Formally, the mission of the TMF is to enable agencies to reimagine and transform the way they use technology to deliver their mission, services, 
to the American public, all in an effective, efficient, and secure manner. We're really aiming to help them deliver more quickly, better secure sensitive systems and data, and use taxpayer dollars more efficiently. And the PMO, or the TMF Program Management Office, um, is here to really make all of that happen. Um, I'd also add, we offer, as a TMF, a really unique opportunity for federal agencies to access an additional source of funding alongside the traditional appropriations process that helps them address critical needs, achieve real impact faster than otherwise possible, and we hope to raise the bar on what good federal IT modernization projects can look like. We work very closely with a number of different groups and stakeholders, including the federal CIO's office, the Office of Management and Budget, the TMF board, Congress, and of course, all of our partner agencies. In terms of where we sit at GSA, uh, we are in the office of the administrator, and we work very closely with GSA's agency leadership. So I'd like to transition, really to your specific role and give folks a sense of understanding of a PMO, what the executive director does. So what are your duties and responsibilities as the executive director of the TMF PMO? And perhaps you can give us a sense of the, the day in the life of the, or the day of the week of the life of the ED doing the work that you're doing. I would say almost no two weeks are the same uh, in this job, but it's a lot of fun and <laughs> a lot of things happening at once. Um, so as the executive director, I'm responsible for overseeing all of the operations for the program. Uh, this includes working very closely with our partners and the TMF board, uh, ensuring that the pipeline of proposals that we receive is well managed, um, supporting our growing portfolio of active investments, um, and really ensuring that we're responsive to both agencies' needs and to addressing what we see as the most critical technical challenges that face the federal enterprise. Within my own team, the PMO, I also focus a lot of my time on scaling our team and supporting my staff, especially as we've grown so much over the past year and a half. I work very closely with key stakeholders and executive leadership from the GSA leadership uh, team to the TMF board to help tell the story of the impact the TMF is having, both with the public and with key stakeholders in Congress or in the federal technology space. I'd say in a typical week, although no week is maybe typical, um, I spend a lot of time working directly with the TMF board and the TMF board chair, Claire Moderana, the federal CIO, to help understand priorities and support their decisions on funding and advancing agency proposals, as well as reviewing and providing oversight for active investments. I facilitate our recurring TMF board meetings, and I meet with different members of the TMF PMO on my team to give feedback and provide guidance on different initiatives. I might also meet directly with a number of different stakeholders, ranging from congressional staff to agency CIOs and partners um, to, of course, GSA leadership and collaborators at OMB. So, really, when you take together the portfolio you're leading and your roles and responsibilities, I was wondering if you could share with us the top challenges you face, management challenges or otherwise, that you face in this position? And more importantly, how have you sought to address those challenges? Yeah, I mentioned earlier that the TMF has seen really incredible growth in the last few years. Um, in particular, we've increased our annual investment rate by more than tenfold. This, this represents an incredible amount of work and has required us to make a number of improvements to every aspect of the program. Um, I say this is definitely a bit like fixing a car while driving it, but we're also driving it down a super fast racetrack. Uh, we've had to deliver and announce kind of new investments continuously along the way. 
We've scaled up and streamlined our operations significantly in order to do this. We've made it easier for agencies to apply to the TMF, easier for them to get feedback and support from us, and to engage directly with the TMF board. And throughout all of this, um, we've really been doing this by being intentional about building the team and developing strong collaborative partnerships and relationships with our partner agencies um, and collaborators across the government. You know, I go from challenges to surprises, and I was wondering, uh, you've been in the in this role since, uh, I think you said September of 21. So I was wondering, what has surprised you most, Raylene, since taking over this role? In some ways, it feels much longer than that. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, I've learned an incredible amount about how the federal government operates. And, and part of that is the unique role, I think, that TMF has and where we sit. We really have this bird's eye view of federal technology and the role I think technology plays in enabling federal agencies to meet their missions. Um, a lot of it has been really surprising or has at least made me think quite differently about how these systems work than I, than I realized before. One thing I think a lot about is how the problems that federal agencies face are really similar to one another, but the solutions that they have in place to solve those problems are incredibly wide ranging and different. And this is due to very different technical stacks, the, the specifics of the programs they're trying to implement, and of course, the timing or method of the original implementations. It feels like if you're looking at it from far enough away, you might assume, hey, this should all be really easy to solve a bunch of these problems all at once because they're similar. But I've realized the closer you get to it, you see that there's a huge amount of complexity that maybe fractals out uh, with all the details. And what this means is that change must be made locally and incrementally. Um, I'd say I've also have a really deep appreciation for how civil servants are making the most of the tools that they have and are really putting forth their best efforts to deliver for the public. Sometimes this means they have to navigate many manual steps or kind of you know, work magic through outdated systems. Um, and it's really inspiring to see this work in action. And it's been personally motivating to help make their lives and, of course, the lives of the people they're serving uh, just easier through better technology and tools. You know, when you think about um, your background in, in in the private sector and then your work building a nonprofit and now in public uh, public sector work, I was wondering, um, with all that as the backdrop, what characteristics make an effective leader? Perhaps you could share with us some of the leadership principles that guide your efforts? And, and more importantly, what insights have you brought from your previous work, be it the private sector or nonprofits, that inform your current leadership approach? I'd say one of my personal values as a leader, probably in every role I've had, is, is really having a deep understanding of the problems that we're trying to solve, how we're trying to solve them, and what the impact is that we're trying to have in the end. At the TMF, for example, in the earliest days, I personally participated in every aspect of our operations. And through that, I built a deep empathy for how the program actually operates. And with that, an understanding of how we could, what we could do to improve it. I care really deeply about building great products and, and having that definable, measurable impact on problems that I hope improve the lives of real people. Um, and I would say I generally have a product mindset about everything I do to kind of define that a little better, because I think people often say products and they might mean one thing. But for me, I think products mean 
all kinds of things or, or really anything where you're trying to solve a problem for someone or convey information in order to effect change. So to me, a product could be, you know, a software system or a way that we deliver a program, but it could also be a memo or guidance that uh, you might create to try to change behavior or create a difference. Um, I often emphasize the idea of continuous iteration and improvement, the idea that anything can be made better with effort and time, and that if you're really clear about what you're trying to achieve and you're practical about how you approach it, I think you can always make some forward progress no matter what you're trying to do. Um, all of that probably means I'm also a pretty optimistic person in the in the things I try to do. Um, I, I would say everything I just described really came, a lot of it came from my experience in the private sector. Uh, but one of the biggest insights I, I think a lot about, and I feel very lucky to have experienced, is um, I have seen firsthand how quickly teams and systems can evolve and change and improve uh, over time. I think uh, just having witness that in, in these systems that I mentioned that serve millions and billions of people and transactions, my baseline for how fast and efficiently it's possible to solve problems, I think is just set very high. So, you know, whatever environment I join, I'm hoping and aiming to raise the bar on what, you know, we expect from that program, like what we think is possible. I just try to push that bar up. Um, I think teamwork and collaboration is a big part of that. Uh, one of my biggest learnings from personal experience of doubling or tripling teams and programs super quickly, uh, multiple times now in my career, is just how important training, mentorship, and people development uh, really are. I think one of the best ways to get a lot done and a lot done quickly is to just have a really strong and resilient and collaborative team uh, working alongside you. So that's something I, I, I hope to do or create or foster in every job that I have. What are the key strategic priorities for GSA's Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report Financial Management for the Future at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Widner breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guest today is Raylene Young, Executive Director of the Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office within the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. You know, Raylene, you mentioned uh, regarding your leadership that you focus on 
uh, you know, getting things done and, and and finding the right way to do it and envisioning it and ha- making it happen. I'm wondering um, if you could outline for me uh, the strategic priorities for your office with that in mind. Are there any guiding principles that inform your vision for the TMF PMO? Yeah, the TMF is, I would say, you know, one piece of a really much broader and larger federal IT strategy and narrative. And we try to take all of that into account. So we reflect the principles of the federal IT operating plan uh, that was published by the Office of Federal CIO, the National Cybersecurity Strategy. Um, And we also integrate uh, the focus of key executive orders, such as those on improving the nation's cybersecurity and transforming the federal customer experience and service delivery to rebuild trust in government. So we take all of that into account. And as we continue to invest um, our remaining funds, our goal is to balance speed with impact, ensuring that we're investing in strong proposals, that they have a high likelihood of success, and we're always aiming to achieve clear results for the public. To talk a little bit more about cybersecurity and customer experience in particular, you know, we've seen that each of those topics alone have billions of dollars worth of technology modernization that is still needed. And so in some ways we are playing a small but mighty part in trying to further both of those topics for the government. Um, Last June, in June 2022, we actually announced a special allocation of $100 million aimed at customer experience, specifically to deliver a secure, modern, digital first government experience for the American people. And that allocation was also focused on high impact service providers, which are federal agencies that support the most critical interactions that people have with the government, as well as looking at holistic life experiences that people go through that might require them to interact with different parts or multiple parts of the government at once. Um, For all these areas, we've convened working groups of subject matter experts in cybersecurity and customer experience, And they uh, have people from across different federal agencies that work closely with us to review proposals and help the board make, you know, better and stronger informed investment decisions. That's excellent. I'd like to transition into the process and dig a little deeper. Could you describe for us the process of assessing the TMF? And where I'm going with this is what kind of investment strategy are you pursuing and how are you going about selecting projects for funding? Um, Is it all at once or is it based on milestones? How is that working? Yeah, these are some great questions. And I guess I should say one thing that we're really uh, excited about and try to be transparent about is everything that we do is generally published on our website. So if your listeners are curious, um, you can go look at tmf.cio.gov and various sections like forward slash process or forward slash, uh, you know, um, investments, and they kind of walk a lot of walk through a lot of this in detail. Um, but to give you kind of the, the short version, uh, we do use a multi-step process to evaluate proposals. They move through an initial, what's called an initial project proposal to a full project proposal, which then gets reviewed and voted on uh, by the TMF board, who makes an ultimate recommendation for funding. From there, uh, a project becomes an active investment, and we sort of enter this different style of engagement where we have dedicated investment managers who work very closely with the team to provide uh, quarterly updates at minimum and to kind of follow progress along the way. I would say if you're at an agency and you're interested in applying, 
um, you know, we have a full service team of financial and technical experts that's here to work with you as you move through the process. So we are here to help agencies prioritize the right types of projects to move forward, to build a strong case for the board and a strong proposal, um, and even to practice your pitch and, and rehearse, um, you know, what, you know, what uh, it might be like to actually engage with the board. I would say one thing that we re somewhat recently also launched was a new lightweight form that we call the expression of interest that can sometimes take just a few minutes for an agency to fill out. And that's on our website at tmf.co.gov forward slash start. Um, we're always brainstorming ways to reduce the administrative burden and engaging with the TMF, especially for small agencies and small investments. Um, so, you know, we're looking always for more ways to do that uh, faster and better, and we hope to share more in the coming months. You also asked about, you know, the investment strategy or how are they selected and is it all at once? And actually, this is a great question that I, I love to talk about because um, the, the question around is it funded all at once? I think ties to, I would say, one of our, the most interesting aspects of the TMF. And that is that we uh, take what we call an iterative incremental funding model. So, you know, rather than uh, many kind of classic IT projects where you have maybe a very large sum of money that you've allocated and obligated for a project, rather than give all the money to the agencies up front, a TMF investment is actually broken down into multiple clear milestones and associated incremental transfers. So, you know, if it's a $5 million investment, perhaps the first transfer is the first million, and that's tied to specific defined milestones. Agencies then, you know, start their work, and as they make progress, they demonstrate progress against those defined milestones in order to, um, well, obviously show results and, and get feedback, but also in order to, to kind of unlock each subsequent um, transfer of funding. So I think this is really unique and, and kind of ties into a lot of the ways that we provide oversight and, and try to increase the success rate of TMF projects. I think also, I guess, in terms of the, the strategy, I'll just talk a little briefly that we have both focus areas, which I've mentioned, I think I mentioned for the American Rescue Plan around cybersecurity, customer experience, shared services. Um, but we also take this kind of inbound or bottoms up uh, approach tied with a more proactive kind of top down approach. And um, just to explain that, I think that the more inbound side is where we receive proposals from agencies. Agencies have an idea, they work with us, they submit a proposal, um, and we kind of go through that process. We do do a lot of outreach, including attending agency working groups and convenings, and we reach out to agencies to encourage them to apply. But I would say that is a more inbound-driven, um, bottom-up driven uh, style of engagement. In terms of the more proactive, strategic, maybe top-down opportunities, um, that's really driven by a lot of the work I mentioned to kind of tie into the federal IT strategy and the work of our board chair, Claire Martirana. So her team in the office of the federal CIO has been leading an effort to work collaboratively across the government to just identify high priority systems in need of IT modernization that would benefit from the TMF funding and expertise. So these are systems that have been designated by groups like GIO as high value assets or other critical assets or high priority systems. And so in those cases, you know, we have people at the uh, federal CIO's office and the TMF just proactively talking to them and seeing what are ways that the TMF can help. And these are really being driven from 
our bird's eye view perspective that we have that is quite unique and very central and, and uh, I think very integrated into many different agencies. I'd like to delve a little deeper as a follow-up. And, and you kind of provided the, uh, the, the guardrails, if you will, for proposal development. But if I'm at an agency, what kind of effort am I looking at? What does the proposal development process look like in terms of level of effort, in terms of what you expect to receive from an agency? And, and then if you could answer, I, I offer the proposal to you folks, I've submitted, how are they evaluated, awarded based on what criteria? And the other level is, has this changed over the last five years on how you do this, how you accept submissions, how you evaluate submissions and award them? Has that process evolved? It's a great question. And I think that first part of, you know, how much work is it is something we get asked a lot as well, right? For people who are considering it or or trying to look into it. I'd say in some ways, the artifacts that are required are pretty straightforward. They're they're in the form of these written proposals. So uh, the initial project proposal is just a few pages and it's a way of kind of documenting what are you trying to do? What's your approach? What's the real impact on the public or on your agency mission? Um, but I think the challenge that agencies might face is it does take time to build kind of the case for that work and, and get support from agency leadership. So we think in some ways the time to you know write down the proposals may not take that long, but you, you do have to add all that cycle time to kind of uh, garner support for a project uh, within your agency. Um, the same thing happens in the second phase. So, you know, the first phase phase is lighter weight, and then it gets submitted and voted on by the board. And then the second phase has a more comprehensive proposal that includes uh, further detail on the financials, the, the incremental transfers and milestones that I mentioned, um, and, and, and even a live presentation to the board. So, that step is definitely more weighty, um, but I'd say in both cases, we have seen some agencies fly through the process with just weeks at each phase because you know maybe the team is just really ready to go and they have a lot of support and this was a, a priority. We've also seen it, some agencies take much longer um, and maybe it's just you know they have limited resources and or it's just something that it's just taking them more time to get through. So I'd say inherently the process itself can be quite light, lightweight, but we see variance in the time based on just um, in more of the internal agency kind of consensus and review. Um, we are here to support. So as uh, my staff is, you know, on hand to review drafts, to answer questions, I think they'll even, you know, maybe pretend to be the board and do a sample pitch. And so we're here to help. And often, you know, we try to be as responsive as possible to speed every step of this uh, up. In terms of how they're evaluated and and how investments are made, um, we do look at a number of different criteria. Uh, these include, um, and these are things that the board really actively considers, including ultimately the impact on the agency mission, really do emphasize what is that public user impact? What are the expected outcomes? Um, certain topics like improving security and safety of user data, What's the feasibility uh, kind of, you know, what, what's, what are the odds of success for this project, which is often tied to the strength of the team or the quality of the, the execution strategy. Um, and, you know, we kind of also look at uh, other areas, including, you know, cost savings, operational efficiencies, how much are outdated systems being replaced and moved to more modern platforms. Um, 
you also asked how much has it changed. In some ways, it has not changed a lot. The the initial project proposal and, and full project proposal steps, that's pretty much been in place since the beginning. But as I mentioned earlier, I, I would say we have kind of made every aspect of both of those steps just easier and more streamlined, um, kind of continuously done so. And we just keep trying to make them easier and easier for agencies to apply. Um, and we've also added quite a bit of staffing and support um, on my team that just kind of helps shepherd um, agencies through this process. That's excellent. So I was wondering what makes the TMF or going to the TMF for uh, assistance attractive to departments or agencies? And I guess it's in a sense, what I'm asking is, what are the benefits for them? For an agency, I would say the TMF can really serve as a catalyst for their work. You know, they may have been trying to improve or invest in some system for years on end. And if in sort of relying solely on the annual appropriations process, this could take years, if if not decades. And so with the TMF, they can actually receive that um, rapid infusion of funding with a lot of flexibility um, that allows them to receive funding within months instead of years and enables them to commit to plans that might take uh, that complete, can commit to technology projects that might take multiple years to finish. Um, I would say that TMF also provides far more than just funding. Um, I mentioned that we have those subject matter experts on the team and the experts on the TMF board that are assigned to support that project. They are on hand to regularly review progress. They engage on projects. Um, the TMF also emphasizes an agile model of technology delivery so we are here to support agencies if they want to try a new approach. You know, they can um, engage more with users and have a more human-centered design approach with user research. They can launch MVPs um, and try to ship products and services in shorter timeframes than maybe a traditional approach. Um, I would say, you know, all of that kind of packaged up together is what agencies get when they work with the TMF, um, and which I think is a is a pretty unique. Um, opportunity for us to support them. I would say in addition to the benefits that a specific agency might get, um, I also think that when we look holistically across the federal government, you know, our goal is to support agencies in showing what's possible. So how can we work with them to create stories of success that really show their workforce and leadership and customers that agencies can deliver services that meet today's expectations. And on a portfolio level, we're also aiming to improve the likelihood of project success. So by using that incremental investment approach and time funding to milestones and integrating the technical support, we're trying to give uh, a framework and, and style of investment that enables individual agency teams to course correct and update and adjust their goals as they go and learn from new information. Um, government IT historically has really low success rates. Uh, one report, you know, that that we've seen has showed that over 80% of projects valued at six, over $6 million or more actually fail. Um, and that is, you know, a shocking number. And I think a lot of that comes from this idea of just doing a multi-year project at once that goes over budget, takes many years to resolve. And in the end, you you sometimes don't end up with anything. But TMF is trying to prove a different model, right, with that agility. And in the same vein, if a project is not on track to succeed, 
um, the board and the TMF can actually take stock and provide guidance and support and even choose to discontinue an investment. So we're not waiting years to see if nothing happens. Uh, we're actually looking at those results as they go. And in some cases, we'll it's, a, it's also a, a way to um, kind of fail fast and also move on. If you could, given the bandwidth and the amount of work you folks have been doing since you've taken over, what type of technical support, and I've alluded to it, but how much of that support would be given to a particular agency for a particular TMF project? What kind of, what kind of support are you talking about? Yeah, and I think something I should say is we're, we're also learning a lot with each new investment. So the types of support that we've provided have, has kind of shifted as uh, the program has evolved. So as an example, maybe in the beginning, a lot of it was around developing proposals. Um, that was sort of the, the top of funnel and where we saw a lot of agency demand. So we had subject matter experts and join the team and, and work very closely with agencies to help refine their proposals and better articulate uh, the impact, or even just, you know, explain what the impact was more clearly um, and try to kind of get at the heart of what the project was trying to do. Um, as we have invested in, in more uh, agencies and projects and are now managing, you know, this very large proposal of over 40 investments and $700 million, um, we have really shifted uh, correspondingly a bunch of our team efforts towards supporting the active investments. So a good example um, today is that once a proposal is approved by the board and becomes what we call an active investment, we actually assign dedicated investment managers from the TMF PMO to every project team. And they get to know the agency um, team, they get to know the project details, and they are there to support the agency throughout the project's life cycle as they move through their milestones and achieve their objectives. Um, these investment managers, we actually assign both an operational oriented one and a technical one to every investment. They pair up and they sort of form this virtual team with the agency. Um, they work together to then, you know, provide those ongoing structured updates um, at minimum every quarter to the board and, and to the PMO. Um, and I just I think it gives them this ongoing, you know, feedback loop and kind of collaborative style of work um, that I, I think has been really great to see. And in particular, it's been fun for me to see some of my staff in these investment manager roles, I think, really have some develop some real relationships with the agency partners. And they kind of are, you know, in our own team uh, channels and discussions, we're cheering for the agencies and we're celebrating when we see progress and when they're celebrating. And I think that's been a really um, kind of special uh, thing to see. That's terrific. Wow. That's a really good story. I I, I want to be, before we move on, I want to talk about the repayment terms uh, for uh, TMM, uh, TMF grants. And I was hoping you could explain for us uh, that part of the process. And how do you ensure that agencies have a stake in the success of a particular project um, what determines the terms if you will of repayment and what projects are required to provide a full repayment if there are any yeah this idea of, of what is the agency's stake in the project is really important and, and i think something that the board often discusses is it, it and maybe this is a theme of, of what i'm saying about the tmf but these things often go far beyond just the funding. I think there are many mechanisms that we see where an agency really kind of has skin in the game. And I think that incremental transfer milestone-based model 
is really effective for that too, right? Once they start a TMF investment, they're they're there to show progress every quarter. And um, that really creates this sort of, uh, we're all in this together and we want this project to be successful. Um, in terms of repayment, you know, our goal as a program and fund is to establish a well-funded revolving um, mechanism long-term to fund today's urgent federal technology issues uh, while always keeping an eye on that long-term health and sustainability of the program. I would say the TMF board, when looking at a proposal, starts with the expectation of full repayment. It starts at full, and that's kind of the default, um, and then looks at a variety of different factors um, in evaluating each proposal uh, to kind of uh, settle on the final repayment. Um, we do also share some guidelines on our website around the different categories of repayment and kind of what goes into that um, from full to partial uh, to minimal. And some specific things that we look at include, you know, what types of cost savings and cost avoidance are possible through this investment, both direct ones and indirect ones, um, particularly with an eye towards retiring legacy systems or deprecating old systems. We also look at how easily cost savings are realized and also the type of project. So is it, you know, cybersecurity? Is it public facing um, customer experience? Is it a shared service? Um, and the overall impact of the investment obviously also plays a role in determining um, repayment. I would say another thing that we do look at is um, and consider is the fact that a lot of these things that I described you know, cost savings, avoidance, time savings, they also go beyond the agency view. Um, we also want to look at what is uh, the end impact to the public. So in the same way that we might say, you know, this agency is saving this many dollars through uh, and this much time, this many hours of, of uh, people power to, to, to administer this program. On the same side, you know, our friends and family members and, and people in the public may also be saving cost and hours of time to fill out those forms or travel somewhere to, you know, mail in something or kind of do something in person. And so we really try to take a more holistic view to look at what that repayment should be. Um, more tactically, repayment of all investments um, is required in accordance uh, with this, our statute and also with terms that we establish in written agreements with every investment. Um, and repayments begin within the first within 12 months of their first transfer and repayment of, of each transfer cannot may not exceed five years. So we do have these parameters on the, re, the terms of repayment to ensure that that money is coming back to the fund and that we're kind of seeing progress in both directions um, with every investment. What impact has the American Rescue Plan had on the Technology Modernization Fund? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security, in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. 
Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, Joel Gurin and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guest today is Raylene Young, Executive Director of the Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office within the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. You mentioned earlier in the conversation, kind of highlighted some of the things that you've funded so far, but I was hoping that you could share with the listeners some examples of recent uh, TMF investments that are already delivering significant returns and, and meeting those those milestones. It's really exciting to see, you know, I think what some of our investments are trying to do. Um, some that are underway, just to give you some highlights, are, you know, enabling over a million veterans to request and receive fully digital service records through the National Archives and Records Administration, um, working towards uh, strengthening the security of data and, and privacy protections for 100 million students and borrowers that the Department of Education serves, um, 2 million civilian federal employees that are uh, that are uh, in the Office of Personnel Management Systems, um, obviously hundreds of facilities that GSA controls, and millions of veterans that use the Veterans Affairs Digital Services. Those are just a few examples. I think you know, we also have one of our newer investments also supports millions of Americans that are served by the public health information programs overseen by the Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General. So these are all just kind of the highlight numbers. Um, I would say for some of our earlier investments, we've also published case studies on our website um, that highlight impact that we've already seen from completed projects. So a few examples of that are at the U.S. Department of Labor. Um, we uh, t- TMF investment helped them process more than 176% um, more agricultural and tradecraft visas, resulting in $2 million in annual administrative expense cost savings. Um, and we helped the U.S. Department of Agriculture inspect 64 billion pounds of produce annually using a much better and new streamlined uh, system for those inspections. That's excellent. That's where I was going. I found that fascinating. So, you know, earlier, um, Raylene, you mentioned the American Rescue Plan. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of delve deeper into what kind of impact it's had on the TMF and uh, how you operate and and what you've been able to do in order to scale up to meet the increased activity and demand for the work that you're doing. The American Rescue Plan funding, I would say, has had a really transformative impact on the TMF. Uh, It's enabled us to meaningfully invest not only in active investments and and growing our portfolio, but it's also enabled us to bring on those technical and financial experts that support the program and improve uh, the outcomes of our investments. Um, I would say we, we initially saw a huge flood of proposals that demonstrated the outsized demand for the fund. And after months of careful deliberation and board evaluation, uh, we announced our first round of ARP investments uh, back in 2021. Um, Since then, we've just 
kind of uh, never looked back. We've we've continued scaling and streamlining our operations, and we've announced uh, new investments pretty regularly ever since then. Uh, and I would say what we've learned and changed how we operated are many of the things I've talked about already. Just you know that eye on continuous improvement, uh, working kind of closer and closer with our agencies. Um, and I think we also learned that we have really seen the value of engaging with our partner agencies and project teams earlier and earlier and, and working alongside them uh, to kind of strengthen their proposals and and really set up their projects for, for increased success. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about any recently funded projects that focused on what you mentioned earlier, the high priority systems and modernizing them, migrating an agency, say, for example, or department to the cloud. I would say high, high priority systems is definitely one of the most common types of proposals that we get. Uh, I think there are so many high priority systems in government <laughs> that need modernization. <laughs> Sometimes we say all of them are, but I'll definitely think of one a great example. Um, that was one of our newest investments, which was a you know, hybrid cloud modernization project led by the Department of the Treasury. So, you know, they have something called the Treasury Foreign Intelligence Network that they use to share classified information with other government agencies. Um, Treasury's bureaus and sub-agencies rely on this network to identify and analyze overseas threats to the American economy and our finances. Um, They monitor and evaluate the evolving impact of foreign sanctions. So obviously this is pretty high priority and and critical infrastructure. Um, And so with this new TMF investment, uh, the Treasury aims to improve the reliability uh, and mitigate security challenges of this critical network. So the goal is to safeguard the intelligence and information integrity um, to prevent interruptions and outages while meeting the needs of its around 800 national security users. So I think this is a great example of, you know, it's a critical system um, and we're trying to improve it in a number of ways in addition to that cloud modernization uh, part of it that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, continuing on that road, uh, the projects funded through TMF continue to focus on improving customer experience, which is, I think you referenced it as part of the American Recovery Plan um, aspect. Um, Are there any recently funded projects besides any that you've shared already that you might want to highlight in this area? One of our newest investments was actually part of that customer experience uh, focused allocation. Um, and that's one in the Railroad Retirement Board, which actually aims to digitize a formerly phone and paper-based process um, and kind of moving that online. So this will allow retirees and beneficiaries to update their personal information in real time and obviously in the end improve the speed and ease um, by which they can access their benefits. So this is really important. It kind of serves um, all of the uh, nation's railroad workers and their families. And it also addresses a lack of sufficient online services for them today. Uh, the goal of the new system is it aims to streamline core business processes to deliver timely and accurate benefits to the over 675,000 railroad workers and their families. So this one certainly has been one that we're excited to see because that end user impact is so clear. And the other area... Um, I guess there's also referenced in the American recovery plan is the shared services aspects. I was hoping you could help us understand how TMF as an asset or as a resource, if you will, is helping to mature and expand the use of shared services across the federal government. Because of 
you know, our vantage point in the federal government, I think we are really well positioned to support a few different technology capabilities that government has traditionally struggled with. So, you know, one example is that we can help invest in public facing services that might span multiple agencies and technology stacks um, to provide a more unified experience to the public. Um, we also can, because of our high level view and sort of view across agencies, uh, we can maybe support uh, addressing needs that are served by new shared services or even to accelerate the adoption of existing shared services. Um, the other way we look at this as well is we also try to invest in agencies who are tackling the same problems that other agencies are facing in hopes of creating those examples of success and impact stories and learnings that we can then support agencies in sharing and create some of those government-wide economies of scale. So common topics um, include things like identity modernization and grants management and, and obviously improving cybersecurity um, and advancing zero trust. So a few different examples in, in these categories are one is uh, in the Veterans Affairs Identity Modernization Project, the goal is to make it faster and cheaper and easier for veterans to access their services and benefits um, and specifically serve millions of veterans each month towards improving and implementing a kind of modern single sign-on service at the VA. Um, and with AmeriCorps, they're addressing this very common problem of grants-related uh, IT infrastructure, which is you know, a really big challenge for many agencies. And so they're aiming to reduce barriers to access AmeriCorps resources and kind of overhaul and partner with the grants quali quality service management office to you know, capture new and emerging practices that might enhance or improve the federal grants management um, kind of space and provide values to other agencies. That's terrific. You, you did mention earlier cybersecurity efforts, and I'm wondering, uh, are there any projects you want to highlight that, that are sort of pursuing that particular effort around maybe zero trust architecture projects? Anything there you'd want to share? Yeah, I would say cybersecurity has been a, a really uh, big priority for the TMF, and we've made a number of different investments um, in some of the agencies I referenced earlier, like Department of Education and Office of Personnel Management um, and, and quite a few others. Um, something that I'd say we're doing that's quite unique and, and exciting is we kicked off a, co a cohort-based investment model where all of the agencies that we've invested in that are working on cybersecurity and zero trust architecture improvements um, can actually collaborate with each other and learn from each other and kind of uh, hopefully take those learnings and speed up their progress. So that's something that we're, we're definitely working on. And it includes both larger agencies like the ones I mentioned, but also smaller agencies like some recent investments in um, the selective service uh, uh, system and selective service registrants um, and the U.S. Postal Regulatory Commission. So we kind of see this, you know, Advancing Zero Trust is certainly a government-wide effort. And so we kind of have this ability to connect agencies of different sizes and uh, help them work uh, more effectively together. Can you tell us more uh, of, of about your T, the TMF's holistic approach to assessing return on investment for funded projects? What do you mean by that? Yeah, this is uh, kind of a resonates with um, something we talked about earlier around, you know, what do we look at when we're evaluating proposals? And I, I think the holistic approach is really that idea of looking at internal and external measures. So not just cost savings and avoidance and time save, time savings internally to the government, but also looking at the end user side of things, which are not always easy to quantify with internal government 
metrics, right? So we kind of look at both the improvements around, you know, all the internal government uh, metrics and think about the cost and effort and time saved by regular people on the other sides of these systems. Um, so those are just a couple of examples. I would say, you know, in the end, we're looking at when agencies uh, can help deliver services um, that are, you know, in easier, faster, cheaper, and more secure ways. Um, that's kind of the headline of what we're trying to do um, in support of the American public. I'm wondering, how do you share best practices and lessons learned among TMF projects in the leads? I would say this is something we are still somewhat early in and excited to do a lot more of, which is which means that we're trying different things and hoping to learn and, and kind of, you know, do more from what works. Um, Couple examples are definitely the cohort model I mentioned earlier, where we're actually putting agencies together that are working on similar problems with the goal that as they discover what works, we can create some shared resources that we can then make available to the rest of the federal enterprise. So that's something I'm really excited. Um, another thing that we do right now is we actually look for feedback and guidance and requests directly from our portfolio. So we send our partner agencies surveys to ask them what we can improve, what help do they need, and we're learning from that input to figure out what other mechanisms um, we can do to kind of create those, those shared lessons and best practices. Um, one thing I, I will say as well is it is actually a requirement of every TMF investment that they produce a playbook at the end of their investment that documents, you know, what they did, what went well, um, and we have these playbooks that you know, we can use to to see and extract those learnings um, and then make them available uh, to more people. Raylene, from your perspective, how does the TMF help illustrate that technology modernization projects in the federal government can be successful at scale? And more importantly, what does the future hold, do you think, for TMF and your office? You know, technology modernization is, is a truly massive challenge for the federal government. And over $100 billion is spent annually on federal IT, with most of that going to maintenance and operating existing systems. So I think the TMF, we play a really unique role in this space. We have, uh, we're really well positioned, and I think we have sort of these attributes and the way that we approach things. Uh, we have the opportunity to make a really large impact through the combination of a lot of the things I mentioned, such as the flexible, fast funding model, our agile, milestone-based approach, um, and the idea that we integrate technical and subject matter expertise kind of into everything we do. So I, I do think we have this, this real opportunity and that we can be an accelerator for technology modernization projects. And, you know, I hope that through the TMF, agencies can kind of execute on this step function improvement in, in their IT stacks that otherwise might have taken, you know, years longer or many millions of dollars more. So that's kind of what we what I hope to do. Um, I would say in many ways, we're still really early in our TMF journey. Um, our investments are definitely starting to show results, but I think I'm really excited to see what the aggregate impact of our portfolio will be in the coming years. Um, and something we try to do continuously is learn from our partners and provide even better support and services, not only to our portfolio, but to the whole federal government. Um, something that we aim to do is to show what's possible by actually doing it. You know, making investments 
putting taxpayer dollars to work effectively, um, demonstrating those real results, and sharing our agency's success. Um, and really hope the work speaks for itself. But, you know, that's something we're always working on to tell the story and um, to recognize that with further and additional funding, we'll be able to do even more to tackle some of these most um, incredibly challenging problems that government faces. That's wonderful perspective. One last question for you. What advice, Raylene, would you give someone who's thinking about a career in public service? You know, my main advice is if you're thinking about it, definitely give it a try. <laughs> um, and, you know, try some to find some way to be hands-on. I think there's really no substitute for the actual experience of doing the work. And, and I would say as someone who's now worked in multiple sectors, working alongside civil servants with a clear mission to serve the public is, is not like anything I've ever experienced. Um, I will say it is, I'll acknowledge it, it just can be really intimidating to know how to break in and get that exposure. So just a few kind of resources and, and tips. Um, I think luckily a lot of public sector work is done in the open. So there are lots of resources and many organizations just publish everything they do like we do. I would suggest checking out a number of nonprofits and different organizations in this space like U.S. Digital Response or, you know, the, the Tech Talent Project. But also here at GSA, we have some really great resources that we've published from various tech teams here, including from the Technology Transformation Service. So two great resources. One is digital.gov, which has a great name. It's easy to remember, but it just includes a lot of resources on what are these frameworks and tools and different ways that um, uh, we can approach um, improving digital services for government. Um, and another resource is actually our 18F website. So 18f.gsa.gov, which has a blog with hundreds of posts that walk through different case studies and learnings from past projects. Um, I, I'd be remiss to also not mention that try starting local. I think something that's really great about public service is it happens at all different levels. So check out what's going on in your city or your state, um, kind of, uh, or even local nonprofits. I think there are often many different opportunities kind of up and down at different sizes um, to engage and get that hands-on experience and, and learn by doing. Excellent. Excellent point. Raylene, thanks for taking your time out of your busy schedule today to join me. But more importantly, I'd like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Thank you so much. It was really, it was really great to chat with you today. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Raylene Young, Executive Director of the Technology Modernization Fund Program Management Office within the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. Be sure to join us next time for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government leadership and its effectiveness. Subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at iTunes, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. And as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan Yan Ang presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more.